Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 68 of UAB Green and Told, original release date, Monday, March 28th, 2022. This podcast allows us the chance to share stories from members of the UAB community. Want to listen into previous episodes of the podcast? Visit alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold or look us up on Spotify and the Apple Podcast app. While there, leave a written review so more alumni can find us. I'm Greg Berry, a UAB alum and assistant director in the UAB Office of Alumni Affairs. On this episode of the podcast, Tanisha Sims Summers pops in for a conversation about kettle corn. While she's in the culinary world now, as she'll share, that career was definitely not one she thought of growing up. The closest affinity I had to food was eating it, and I loved <laughs> all different types of food. As she'll reveal, before the business could begin, Tanisha had to create a kettle corn plan. It wasn't something that popped out of nowhere. First, she had to figure out how to overcome a major obstacle. I really didn't know much about kettle corn outside of the what my son sold during Boy Scouts, you know. Tanisha would find success, but she'd have to first step out of corporate America, something she says came with plenty of trepidation. I was somewhat afraid that people would think that I was just making a stupid decision, you know. You've heard the phrases before, pop like it's hot. This may sound corny and what's popping? Chances are Tanisha Sim Summers can add plenty to the list of popcorn expressions, but Tanisha's journey into the culinary world didn't start where you might think. Now, this story begins with a young girl who got a snow cone kit for Christmas. For those who grew up in the 70s and 80s, you know the one. Oh my gosh, so it was the Snoopy snow cone machines. I know you remember those. Yep. They were a little flimsy, but still like it was perfect for a child. It was the most funnest thing. That was the time where toys were just very like, they were becoming more interactive. You had the easy baker oven. And of course I got the snow cone machine and the funnest thing, like putting ice in it, crunching it up, swirling it up, and then making your little syrup. I remember like, okay, who can, maybe we can sell something. You know, when you're a kid, you like my daughters now, they want to sell everything, their artwork, their old toys, their new toys. I mean, we even started them a little business last year. And so it was very nostalgic to help them do that because I remembered setting up a little table on the corner in our community um, in the historic College Hills and just trying to get people in the community to just, hey, you want a snow cone? There weren't a lot of children in our community. So my um, best friend at the time and I, um, also had a popsicle business. So it started with me in the snow cones and I would just be out there by myself. I randomly stumbled upon her. Um, she would see me selling the snow cones. And then we then decided, hey, let's just buy some popsicles, literally the popsicle brand. And we would set up on the corner during the Alabama and Auburn games. All of the streets would be filled yep. with cars. And we were like, hey, this would be a great time to get them popsicles. So we would run car to car, selling them for 50 cents. And um, I just remember just being so excited, having like a little flimsy poster, but to us, it was like everything, you know? So, you know, that probably is where that entrepreneurial spirit really sparked for me. <laughs> Your entrepreneurial spirit really started real early for you. I think it's a time to be exploratory. Um, use your imagination, 
And you don't really think about all the bells and whistles, even though you're naturally innately doing them. You're thinking about, oh, we got to have a sign. We got to let people know that it costs 50 cents. You know, um, we got to let them know which flavors we have, grape, strawberry and cherry, which were mainly the only ones that were available. Um, and then the customer service, just you're quick, right? You got to run it to the car before the line starts moving. And um, all of that were just innate things that it's just it, it it's a part of what we do as adults in business every day. But that was such a fun time. And um, I never would have thought that, oh, this is going to be a real thing one day. Right. Pop sickles and popped kettle corn. Who would have thought the irony yeah. of it all? <laughs> so from there, you wound up going to middle school, high school. What was kind of your plan at that point? Did you want to do something ultimately with food? Did you want to go into marketing? What did you have an idea of doing? The the closest affinity I had to food was eating it. And I loved <laughs> all different types of food and desserts. I'm really more of a decadent person. I wasn't, even as a child, I wasn't a chocolate cookie candy person. I didn't really like that type of stuff. I would eat it, but you know, it was nothing like a good dessert, but I never ever would have imagined being in the food or snack food industry at all. Um, marketing, definitely. Um, I saw myself as somewhat of a creative, you know, because I thought I would design swimsuits. So when me and one of my best friends were like, hey, let's start a swimsuit line. I thought I would be an accountant. And then I said, well, maybe I could be an attorney. But what I found was I liked the idea of marketing and psychology. They were really intertwined because you have to understand your customers thinking and their thought process and their buying habits. And even now in some of the newer accelerators, you know, they, you know, they talk a lot about the avatar, you know, it's really understanding your customer's profile. Um, when I finally landed on like business and marketing, I was like, okay, when I finish UAB, I'll either be an entrepreneur or I'm going to move to New York and help with ad agencies. Right. I just thought it would be so easy and fun to do. Um, but my life took a turn and um, I had my son um, my senior year at UAB, but it was the best blessing in my life. And now today I'm doing all of those things that I never would have imagined that I could do in a corporate space. I'm doing it now in my own business, marketing, yeah. um, accounting, I'm definitely not doing legal, but I got to think through the legal implications of everything we do. So, um, and I work close with our attorney. So, um, so it's cool how life just has a way of like, it's like a building block, you know? Yeah. And I've enjoyed um, getting to learn and utilize all of those things that I did in my past, in my corporate career, and especially, of course, at UAB to be able to try to build a business that really impacts the community. So as someone who grew up splitting time between Virginia and Alabama, specifically Birmingham, why did you settle in on UAB? What drew you to the university? I started at the University of Montevallo. And as beautiful as the campus of Montevallo was, it just didn't seem like a good fit for me. I was going through this just psychological time where I'm just like, where am I going to be? Where am I supposed to be? Um, I thought I was going to be back, you know, in Virginia. And so it was a, a very big transition. And at that point, I was just like, well, I'm not happy at Montevallo. I got to leave. 
I'll at least go to UAB, right? And I thought I would go to UAB and um, I'll just go there just to get away from Montevallo. And then I'll transfer again to Georgia State. So then I started kind of talking to counselors and I started to realize that, hey, you keep transferring, your credits may not transfer. You you want to be in school for a whole decade? No, I do not. So um, I ended up enjoying UAB. I mean, I started a community. I lived on the South side. I, I didn't get a chance to stay on campus, but um, just with my professors, their business school, um, and I, you know, I tried to be proactive and really get involved in the university. And I ended up, I ended up really enjoying my experience. I mean, my professors are what made the biggest difference, you know? Mm -hmm. And so with that, um, I would say it was kind of happenstance, but again, I, now, you know, I can look back hindsight 20, nothing in life is, is really that way. It, it's really all designed and we just are kind of living and um, we have our plans, but sometimes we're detoured and that's ultimately still a part of the plan. During your time in corporate America, you actually kind of started dabbling with kettle corn. At what point did that pop up? It was the summer of 2014. I had been in the the my last corporate job for about five years already. I remember one day I sat at my desk and I mean, but I just remember like I, I had tears in my eyes. I was crying because I was just like, I'm, I'm not solely driven by money. And even though the money was good, I just needed to feel purpose. And I just remember praying and saying, you know, God, I just, please just send me some type of sign or show me what you really want me to be doing. When I gave birth the summer of 2014, while on maternity leave, you know, I have this little plaque in my house that says, quiet the mind and the soul will speak. And sometimes, you know, you're in a space and you don't get a chance to really be reflective, right? I mean, you're going through the minutia of, okay, I got to do this, check this off everything's great, don't really have any problems, nothing to complain about, but sometimes you don't sit to really think of what do I really want. I was able to do that on maternity leave. And so I remember nursing my daughter, being home with my son who I had had while at UAB, he was 10 at the time. And um, I just remember like, you know, mornings I would take him to school. I remember seeing the moms walking with the strollers and I was just like, one day I would love to, you know, be able to not be in this hustle and bustle of the morning traffic. And um, and so that summer, my aunt in Virginia, who practically raised me, um, she was raving about a, a kettle corn company there. So she actually encouraged me to try to franchise the concept because a friend of hers had done it. She just talked about how people would come like an hour away to get this kettle corn and I really didn't know much about kettle corn outside of the what my son sold during Boy Scouts, you know, um, and that kettle corn, you know, you support it because it's a cause, not necessarily because it's like the best gourmet kettle corn in the world. And so that was about the extent I really knew about kettle corn. And um, she was like, you really should think about it. You know, your dad has a party supply business. You and him can kind of partner and you can add this on and like wow okay and I entertained it and I don't know what made me entertain this out of all the ideas that I had ever thought about and um I started researching I started just 
buying kettle corn. So at that point, I was a lot more cognizant of it. So when I went in the grocery store, I would buy kettle corn. When I went in the gas station, I would get kettle corn. I would just start buying it. Um, if I found gourmet popcorn places, where's your kettle corn? So I wanted to get an idea of what it was. And the more I thought of it, I said, you know, this could be fun. I could really build a brand around this. I mean, you know, you can build so many cute slogans. And I just started thinking about how it's such an all-American snack. And the, I guess the space that people enjoy the product. You're either with your family, you're with friends, you're watching a movie. I remember making red and green chocolate-covered popcorn, and everybody loved it. And this was way before I even thought of the business, though. And I just remember, like, when I started reflecting back, I was like, oh, the little signs were there the whole time. And so I... I, I felt like it was something I could just really have fun with. I can incorporate everything I was passionate about and and hopefully deliver a product that people really cared about. Um, and so that's what made me say we want the best. We don't want just um, the all the, you know, trans fats and the, you know, high, high levels of sugar and we don't want any preservatives. I just felt like it was the perfect time, the perfect product. And I was ready to go ahead and make that transition. When you were on maternity leave with your daughter, was that it with Corporate America? Or was there a point that you went back and said, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm going to really delve at first <laughs> into kettle it, corn. It seems, <laughs> it seems like you were a fly on the wall, Greg. How did you know? You, you said it perfectly. I actually was not confident enough to say this is it. In my mind, I felt like when I was on maternity leave, I was like, this is it. Then I got offered a promotion and I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Why would they do this? God, what are you trying to say? Why are they offering me a promotion? And you and, and I started this business. So now I was really confused. Um, I started to really question my decision. You know, I was like, really, Tanisha, kettle corn? Like you're leaving a job to start a kettle corn business. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but I just felt like it was what I should do. And so I continued to work for almost another year. And then I got pregnant again. And I felt like that was the that was the real thing that catapulted me to say, you know, there's no way you could be a new wife, have two new kids. And then, you know, me and my husband already had two sons that were 10 year olds. He was married before. So we had a family of four. And I said, this is the time for me to step out on this idea. The worst that can happen is that I can say I left work. I had a gap because I wanted to be a mom and you can go get a job. But it's now or never, right? But I knew it was the right thing. And I still know I made the right decision because um, even though we've taken a very slow growth approach, um, it's worked well for my family and I have had a, a much greater sense of purpose and we've had a very successful journey, you know, um, and so I don't have any regrets. How scared were you though? How nervous, maybe is a better word, stepping out on your own away from corporate America and embarking on this whole new venture that is not even nice kettle corn? <laughs> Oh gosh, all of the life had left out of my body for a moment. And I really was just, I started thinking about my future retirement because I was of course very conscious of those things. And 
I was somewhat afraid that people would think that I was just making a stupid decision. You know, I was afraid of what others would say. And I was afraid of um, that I would have didn't have the ability to really grow it to this vision I have. And I'm still actually, I have leaps and bounds to go, but I have accomplished a lot of the things thus far that I had only imagined. And so I was very fearful to really have to change the dynamic of my family and say, okay, you're responsible for the bills while we try to figure this out. Um, so that was one part. And then it was just, is this actually a viable product? Is it a viable idea? Will people really care about this? I started thinking, well, there aren't a lot of popcorn places here. Maybe this is a crazy idea because <laughs> I mean, nobody's really doing it. So that may mean that it's been done before and it wasn't successful, which it had been done before. We've had popcorn places in Birmingham. So all of those things. And then I started fearing, well, will I have the time for my children? And so, um, because I know it takes a lot of your time um, to, to really try to build a good, solid business. And you keep to putting one foot in front of the other. You keep being intentional and putting yourself in these spaces and circles, you know, small business accelerators. People value businesses that care about something other than just your business. When you care about other people, and that's who I am innately as a person, as I continue to go on, those fears have lessened, but then there's always next levels to a business. And so then those fears kind of come back to say, okay, am I really ready for this level? What is it going to require of me? Can I really do it? And then you just, again, put one step in front of the other. You eat, how do you eat the elephant one bite at a time? So what point did you realize that, you know what? I do have a viable product. I've got something that can be successful. It definitely was down the road. Um, um, early on, people thought we were actually some type of franchise, but we were market-based at the time. So what that means is that we spent a lot of our time and energy kind of building our brand and getting sale through doing local community events. But you know that that is not sustainable. Um, I think the first most fearful time is when I think we had an event and it was like a horrible storm and we had stuff blowing everywhere. We're like, everybody hold the tent down. You know, it was just crazy. Stuff flying everywhere and we're like, oh my gosh, how much product got damaged? And we realized that this can, this isn't sustainable. So how are we going to transition? I would probably say the first time is... It probably is one of our UAB orders. <laughs> you know, when you start seeing corporations support you and you're able to service them in the way they need to be serviced through like the way the pack product is packaged. Um, and we just started getting more universities and smaller to mid-sized companies um, who maybe have run into us at say Pepper Place Farmer's Market. And they're like, oh, well, we wanna, how can we order? And so that's when we kind of, like I said, took our website, you know, and tried to make it uh, just a little bit more user friendly than it initially was. And we just kind of built on that. But when we saw that people were willing to spend money and not just do it one time, but multiple times over the course of years, that to me was like, OK, we have something. We have a good product coupled with um, good customer service. And now it's just, how do we duplicate this amongst our team members? What's behind the name, Naughty But Nice? We played and toyed around with so many different names. And 
ultimately we said, you know, popcorn is generally a healthier snack alternative, right? But because of how we're producing it, it's slightly embellished a little bit. So, you know, you're going to have a little bit, you know, more sugar. It's not like a plain popcorn. So we're like, you know, you're being nice, but you're being a little naughty, right? And and then, of course, the contrast of the sweet and salty. And it just seemed like a, a perfect name. It was catchy, a little risque, but not, not too out of the box because we really wanted it to grab people's attention. You do a lot of different varieties of flavors, uh, French toast, strawberry vanilla, and you've got jalapeno pepper. What's your favorite? Jalapeno popper by far, hands down. What flavor would UAB be? We, we, we roll with the blazer. So we got to do a blazer blend, right? And so the blazer blend is going to be our green apple pie. And it could be either a combination of the classic sweet and salty, the salted caramel, because that gives kind of that gold essence, or you could do the French toast because the French toast and green apple pie, they just go well together. So, so generally if they request the blazer blend, we kind of know it could be any of those three combinations and we just want, want to be intentional. And so the name is just, um, it, it's, we love when people say, Hey, we want the blazer blend. So. Do you think the eight year old version of Tanisha would ever have thought after selling popsicles as after selling snow cones that she'd be selling popcorn? Absolutely not. I um, always felt you get a good corporate job or you have to be dressed up in a suit all the time, a white collar worker. You know, I had to learn how to drive and pull a trailer. I had to get my hands dirty when we first started this. And it was very, very different from anything I had done in my 12 years of 13 years of corporate experience and anything that I would have just imagined that was cute and you know um i probably would have been doing something in fashion but again everything that i've loved i've been able to incorporate it we're trying to launch kind of like a a merch line so i wouldn't say it's high fashion but we do want to say um it's where fashion meets food and so that is kind of the theme as we try to grow the the merchandise line and it really is going to be representative of um, our pop heads and what they care about what they stand for and so Everyone who purchases this product or uses it or recommends it, you don't even realize it, but you're, you have this sense about you that you care about people. And that's just a common theme that we see amongst our customers. We don't make them be that way. I think we're attracting that. And I think people care about certain things. And um, this is just one way to um, kind of bring us all together. That's Tanisha Sims Summers. Tanisha earned her Bachelor's of Science degree from the Class School of Business in 2005, and today she owns the Naughty But Nice Kettle Corn Company here in Birmingham. With a deep passion for Birmingham and UAB, Tanisha definitely has an idea of what it means to be a blazer. To me, being a blazer, it means um, that we are sweeter together. They are a true example of building from nothing. I mean, just to hear UAB story, how they were able to use grants and how they've grown the school and how they're one of the largest employers in the state. So on the educational side and on the employer side, um, they've made a huge impact. And so it's, to me, a true inspiration. And it makes me want to continue to fight the good fight for the long haul. And... Um, 
I love being a blazer. Be sure to listen into previous episodes of UAB Green and Told. You can find all of them at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold. Have a story to share? Email greenandtold at uab.edu. Finally, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for UAB Alumni. Thanks for listening, and until next time, Go Blazers! <laughs>